Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. All right, go ahead and get your Bibles open to Lamentations uh, chapter number three. Lamentations chapter number three. This morning, uh, we are beginning a five-week series looking at our emotions from a biblical standpoint. Uh, It's a a topical series, but as we go through it, we're going to be looking at at chapters of the Bible and expository preaching through those chapters. But I wanted to, to take some time and really focus on uh, our emotions and the things we struggle with from a biblical perspective. Uh, the 5th century uh, theologian, St. Augustine, says like, said that our emotions are like smoke from a fire. Uh, if you're in your house and you smell smoke, uh, the wise thing to do is not to ignore it, but to go and see who's cooking. Uh, if it's my house, April's cooking, and so she's burning something. Uh, but when you smell smoke... The wise thing to do is to go find out where the smoke is coming from. Now, the smoke really isn't a major problem. The fire is. The smoke just tells you there's a fire somewhere. So our emotions are not really the, the main issue, but they show us that something is going on in our hearts that we need to get to the bottom of and deal with. So emotions are not usually the problem, but they are indicators of the real problem. So we're going to be looking at the, the five most common emotions that not only us, but everybody deals with. We're going to be looking at depression, anxiety, fear, envy, and shame. Just like with smoke, it's not wise to ignore smoke, hoping it will go away. If you are in bed at night and you smell smoke in your house and think, I'm just going to go to sleep and it'll fix itself, it's not. You're going to die. With emotions, when we see these things that we're dealing with, it's not wise just to ignore them and hope they'll go away. We need to find out what's going on. And here's the thing, in Christianity especially, we tend to ignore our emotions. We call them sin. We call them, you know, uh, strongholds that we have to battle with, and we, we don't talk about them enough. We, we have people who, who are struggling with their emotional state or struggling with mental health, and we, we make them feel bad because they shouldn't deal with that. Just pray more, you know, read your Bible more, go to church more, and everything's going to, to be okay. Uh, emotions do have a spiritual component. Depression, anxiety, rage, all these things, they have a spiritual component. But I'm going to say right from the get-go that it's not all just spiritual. Sometimes you need professional help. You need a therapist. You may need medication. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's fine. There's no shame in that. There's nothing to feel bad about in that. I get real tired of, of believers who talk about uh, depression and anxiety and criticize people who seek professional help or seek medication to deal with it, but yet they'll have a heart attack and go to the doctor. And I want to say, just pray the clog away. You know, you don't, don't take that high blood pressure medication. That's a spiritual problem. You need to pray that away. 
Pray that high blood pressure away. Pray that, that cancer away. Pray it away. But when it's our, our mind or our mental health, we think, oh, no, it's just you got to deal with it. No. Now, I'm going to look at, and again, I'm going to be very, especially today, today we're talking about depression. There's a spiritual aspect to it. However, there's also a lot of physical and sociological and chemical imbalance issues that can cause depression. So what I'm talking about today, I'm talking about spiritually influenced depression. If you have a bigger issue, I am not equipped to help you. You need to go to a professional, and there's no shame in that. Go to a psychologist, go to a psychiatrist, go to a doctor and get medication. There's nothing wrong with it. And if anyone tells you otherwise, tell them to shut up and come see me. So but we're looking at the spiritual aspect of, our ta- of depression today. Uh, so with that said, while we, are, we should get help from therapists and medication, we're also going to look at the spiritual aspect. And so for the next five weeks, I'm really hoping these next five weeks can really help make a deep impact on your life. See, our emotions, they determine how happy we are. They determine the joy we receive in life. They, they determine how we see the world. Our emotions determine how we treat other people. And so this morning, again, we're looking at depression. And like all emotions, depression is incredibly complex. There's a lot going on there. I'm not going to be able to hit it all. I'm just going to hit what we see from Jeremiah chapter 3. But depression always follows a path. Can I get Omega and Connor up here? Omega, you're right here. Connor, you're over there. Depression always follows a path. And it starts with becoming discouraged. Something happens. You lose a job. You lose a loved one. You have something happen in your day. Maybe your, your marriage isn't going like it should. And you've, you've tried everything. You've done what you're supposed to do. You've prayed about it. You've even sought help about it. But your marriage isn't getting any better. And so you're just kind of resigned yourself that you're never going to have the family that you had hoped to have one day. Maybe uh, something happened to you who shattered your sense of who you are. Maybe someone insulted you and you really kind of took it to heart. They, they said something bad about you and you think, man, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe that's who I am. Maybe that's what I'm really like. Maybe uh, someone hurt you or, or you've, you've lost a loved one or you, you, then the pain doesn't seem to be going away. Maybe you're, you're dealing with a chronic illness and it just can't, it's not getting any better. You've gone to the doctors. You've done everything you're supposed to do. You've, you've even prayed about it. You've done the spiritual work. But you're just, it's not getting any better. Nothing's changing. Maybe you, you messed up again. You sinned again. And it ruined a relationship. You lost an opportunity because of something that you did wrong. Whatever it is you're dealing with, you get discouraged and you look to the future and you think it's never going to get better. It's never going to change. And so that causes you to become depressed. He's depressing. That's why I had him do that. You're discouraging. You're depressing. 
something happens, you get discouraged, you don't properly deal with it. And eventually it leads to depression. It always follows that route. It always goes that away. Y'all going to stand here the whole sermon. Are y'all okay with that? No. I'm kidding. Y'all can go sit down. It starts, put them on the front row. It starts with discouragement and it ends in depression. So things, when you get discouraged, things seem so bad that you think they're, they're never going to get better. Lamentations chapter 3 deals with this. The book of Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet or the crybaby preacher, whatever you want to call him. But the entire book of Lamentations, he is lamenting over the state of Israel. Israel at this time, during Jeremiah's, uh, Jeremiah's writing of Lamentations in the book of Jeremiah, Israel's been conquered numerous times. They've been taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The temple's been destroyed. Everything's a mess. And so he is lamenting over the state of Israel, but he's not lamenting over the fact that the temple's destroyed. He's not lamenting over the fact that they've been taken from the promised land. He's lamenting over the fact that they have allowed their sin to get so bad that God has allowed these things to happen to him. Now, the book of Lamentations is made up of five poems. And it's very similar to the book of Psalms 119. Psalms 119 is an acrostic. It is the, the Hebrew alphabet, every stanza... There each, each kind of stanza is made up of eight uh, verses, but each stanza begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The book of Lamentations is written the same way. Now, each chapter only has 22 verses because the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. But each verse begins with one of the letters of the Greek alphabet. So they all have 22 verses except chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a triple acrostic. Each verse, each Hebrew letter has three verses that are associated with it. So it has 66 verses. And the reason it does, he does this, the reason he kind of changes from the 22 to the 66 in this chapter only is because this is kind of the, the hinge of the book of, of Lamentations. And he's really trying to describe as best as he can, how bad he feels. How terrible things are going for him. He is showing the suffering that he is going through. And he is trying to relate that, that everything's going bad. Nothing's ever going to get better. And my life is a total mess. You ever had a time where you could relate to that? Where you could look at your life and think, it's hopeless. There's nothing I can do. It's never going to get better. It's never going to change. Things are just terrible. Now, Jeremiah, he lived during the time when Israel was sent into exile because of their sin. Israel had hardened their heart to God so many times that he is 
allowed the Babylonians to come in and conquer them. And the Babylonians didn't come just once. They, they came three or four times and they would, they would come into Israel. They would destroy a city. They would cat kidnap all the young, healthy men and women and take them out of Israel to Babylonian captivity. They'd kill everybody else. They'd burn the city. They'd destroy the walls. And Jeremiah has seen this happen time and time again. He has watched as his friends and his family were either killed or taken captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. He watched as Solomon's temple, the, the pinnacle of Israel's cultural revolution, the most beautiful building in all the world at that time, the place where they worshipped God and sacrificed to God, he watched it be destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. He's one of the few survivors left in Jerusalem. And everyone else in Jerusalem is saying, the worst is over. They've, they've come in, they've taken everybody that's worth taking. They've stolen all the money that we have. They've destroyed. There's, it cannot get any worse. But God told, told Jeremiah, it's going to get worse. And Jeremiah's job was to preach that to Israel. So put yourself in, this, in, in Israel this time. You're in Jerusalem. You're not Jeremiah. But you've, you've seen your family and friends murdered. You've seen family and friends kidnapped and taken away. You don't know if you're ever going to see them again. You've seen your house destroyed. You rebuilt. You kind of did what you could for home, and they came back and destroyed it again. You rebuilt, they came back, destroyed it again. Your, your temple's destroyed. Your city's destroyed. There's really nothing left there for you. And then comes Jeremiah saying, hey, it's just going to get worse. Would you like that guy? That's Jeremiah's ministry. Go to a broken, battered, destroyed people and tell them, you ain't seen nothing yet. So people, understandably, hated Jeremiah. He's not preaching prosperity and love and peace. He's preaching, if y'all don't get right with God, this is just the beginning. The, the people didn't believe him, of course, and they, they called him a traitor, and they threw him in prison. We know in, from Jeremiah chapter 38 that while he's writing the book of Lamentations, he is in prison up to his armpits in mud. He's forgotten. He's, no one cares about him. No one wants to hear from him. And he is in this disgusting, dark, dirty, muddy prison. And from there... He writes these five poems. So, all that to say this. If you think your situation's bad, Jeremiah understands what you're going through. You think your situation's bad. Well, I know most of your stories here. None of you are in prison up to your armpits, number one. Nobody's had their house invaded numerous times. So Jeremiah says, you think your life's bad? I can understand what you're going through. So look in Jeremiah chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Now the word led there in the Hebrew literally means to drive as if you're driving a herd of animals. You ever seen people drive cattle across 
uh, the prairie, you know, watch these cowboy movies, you know, Lonesome Dove. I love, anybody like Lonesome Dove? All right, a few of you are good people. Uh, the rest of you need to watch Lonesome Dove. Uh, not the sec, not the sequel. The sequel's terrible. The original's good. Uh, but they drive these, these cattle across uh, the prairie. And, you know, they're, they're not really kind when they do it. You know, they have whips and they, they yaw and they smack on them to keep, make sure they're going in the right direction. And they are forcing the cattle to go where the herd, herdsmen, want them to go. That's what Jeremiah is saying. God has forced me to go to this dark, despicable, desperate place. God drove me here. Not and it's He didn't say God led me here. Again, in the Hebrew, led, you know, we think, oh, well, God led him there. In the Hebrew, led means he drove me there. God forced me into this prison. God forced me into this pit. He remembered how he saw his family and his friends driven from Jerusalem by the Babylonians. He says, that is what God has done to me. God drove me to this place of darkness. Again, look at it. He has led me, he has drove me, and brought me into darkness, but not in light. He goes, God has, put, has forced me into this place where there's, there's no light. There's no hope. There's nothing I can do. I read a book several years ago about uh, Ernest Shackleton. He was an explorer, and he, he, he wanted to be the first person to completely walk across the continent of Antarctica. So he goes down there, um, and the legend says he lost some whiskey, and Shackleton whiskey is important. Now, that has nothing to do with the story. Uh, but anyway, uh, because during this time, one of their provisions I always took with them was whiskey. I don't know. I mean, I guess you couldn't drink. It's like in England in the 1700s, couldn't drink the water, drink beer. But anyway, so they go to Antarctica, to, and their plan was to sail. They went early in the summer because their plan was to sail deep into kind of the ice shelf as far as they could and then walk about 100 miles across the continent to be picked up by someone else on the other side. But there was an early freeze... And their ship got bogged down in ice and destroyed hundreds of miles from their original destination. But they were too far in the ice shelf to walk back out. They're too far away from their final destination to walk across the continent. So for over a year, they had to stay on that broken ship in sub-freezing temperatures trying to survive. And as I read the book, they said the worst part wasn't the cold. The worst part wasn't the fear or the danger of starvation. The worst part was the darkness. Because in Antarctica, the sun goes down in May. Doesn't come up again until August. Months and months and months of complete darkness. So they began to feel desperate and hopeless. That is how Jeremiah feels. Jeremiah says, God, you forced me here, and there's no hope for me. Look at verse number three. Surely against me he is turned. He turns his hand against me all the day. Now the he here is God. He feels like God 
is against him. God is mad at him, and God is punishing him. Then look at verse number four. My flesh and my skin has he made old. He has broken my bones. He has built it against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He has hedged me about that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He feels like God is the one who is hurting him. But worse than that, God's ignoring his cries. He says, God, you sent me here. God, you're the one hurting me. You're the one breaking my bones. You're the one who put these walls. I can't get out of this situation because of you. And worse yet, God, when I cry to you, you don't care. You are ignoring me. Now, we'll see later in the chapter, he knows this isn't true. He knows that's not how what's really going on here. But it's how he feels. Whoops. Got to be able to read. But it's how he feels. You know, a lot of believers, we... We don't like to admit when we feel like God's hurting us. We don't like to admit when we're mad at God because it makes us feel like a bad Christian. Good Christians do not get mad at God. We trust God's sovereignty. We trust God's love for us. And no matter what we're going through, we know intellectually it's not true. We may feel like God's hurting us, but we can't ever say that. Jeremiah was a pretty good Christian. And God had him write in the eternal word of God, God, you're hurting me and I'm mad at you. It's okay to be mad at God from time to time. Now we'll get into what we do about that. But... Don't think, oh, well, good Christians never get discouraged. Good Christians never get depressed. Jeremiah did. You know, Charles Spurgeon was a pretty good Christian. And he wrote, I have spent more days shut up in depression than anyone else in my congregation. Pretty good Christian. Suffered with depression. Had times where he felt God was being unfair to him. Martin Luther was a pretty good Christian. He said, for more than a week, I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled constantly. I could find no thoughts of Christ, only depression and blasphemy of God. He was so depressed that his wife hid hid all the knives in her house because she was afraid he'd kill himself. It's okay to get discouraged. It's okay to get depressed. It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to be honest with God. You are not alone in your thoughts. Jeremiah tells that. Look at verse number 9. He has enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait, as a lion in secret places. He feels like God is crushing him with stones. He feels like God is ripping his body apart as a bear would maul you or as a lion would maul you. He says, God, that's what you're doing to me. Verse 11. He has turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He's, He's shooting arrows at me. 
He has caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. So God, Jeremiah says, God is hurting him. God has driven him to self-doubt. He says, God, is there something wrong with me? Why is this happening? Why are you hurting me? It must be my fault. There must be something wrong with me. Verse 15. He has filled me with bitterness. And, and uh, he has filled me with bitterness. He had made me drink with wormwood. He has also broke my teeth with gravel stones. He has covered me with ashes. And now has removed my soul from uh, far off from peace. I forget prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished. From the Lord. This is, this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of God's best, greatest prophets. Doesn't seem like it right now. He's, he's complaining. He's blaming God for all of his problems. He's basically yelling at God for everything he's going through. Why would God include this in Scripture? This is not a passage of Scripture any of us are going to memorize. We're not going to put this on our wall. God has broken my teeth with rocks. God has shot me with arrows. We're not, we're not putting that on a wall and looking at that every time. This is not one of those great, cheerful, wonderful Bible verses. But God included this because he wants us to know when we suffer, when we're discouraged, when we're depressed, God understands what we're going through. He knows how we feel. And it is okay to express your emotions to God. Jeremiah knows that what he's saying is not true. Well, again, we see that in the later in the chapter. He knows that what he's saying is, is the furthest thing from the truth, but he's saying, God, this is how I feel. This is, what you, this is how I feel because of what I'm going through. It is okay to be honest with God about how you feel. Because God will show us in this chapter, when we are in pain, when we are in darkness, when we are in desperation, God walks with us through that pain. You know, great Christians in the Bible, great Christians in history, they are not people who God delivered from pain. They are people God walked with through pain. Look at, uh, look at Lamentations chapter 3, look at verse number 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. That's an incredible transition. He's just spent 18 verses griping about God. God, I'm in a pit. God, it's dark. God, you're hurting me. God, it's you. God, 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 this is your fault. However... I will have hope because of things I recall to mind. Despite the situation, Jeremiah, he feels one way, but he chooses to think differently. Look at verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Uh, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, the soul to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope 
and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he has borne it upon him. He puts his mouth in the dust, if so uh, be there may be hope. He gives his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, yet he will have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. See, these, these verses here, they are the anchor point of the entire book of Lamentations. And the book of Lamentations is a book of pain and a book of misery. These verses, they show us Jeremiah's answer to the spiritual aspect of depression. They show us what to do in despair. Here's the first thing we do. Number one, remember God's goodness. Look at verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Look down at verse 25. The Lord is good to him, to them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. Look at verse 33. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. So Jeremiah says, in this dark pit where I feel like God's destroying me, I feel like God's hurting me, I remember that God's steadfast love for me never ceases, no matter what I am going through. God lets us go through pain. But he doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't enjoy when we suffer. He allows us to go through pain because he knows it produces greater joy in our lives. In his pain, Jeremiah clung to the goodness of God. We know through Scripture, hopefully through experience, no matter what we're facing... God is good. No matter what you're going through, God is good to you. God is better to us than we deserve. See, the Bible reveals His character. He saved Israel from slavery, but He didn't have to. They had rejected Him. They had ignored Him. They had forsaken Him. He didn't have to save Him from slavery, but He did. In it, in, for us today. He sent His only Son. He sent Jesus to die for our sins so we didn't have to. He sent Jesus to completely absorb the wrath of God and die in our place and be buried and rise again three days later to reconcile us to the Father when He didn't have to. We weren't seeking Him. We weren't Dry. We weren't coming after him. He came to us when he didn't have to. We see his goodness in the life of Christ. When we see Jesus as he heals the sick, as he raises the dead, as he feeds the hungry. Christ is the character of God with skin on. So we see Christ is compassionate. God is compassionate. God is forgiving. God is merciful. We know through Scripture... That God is a good God. We know He is a good Father. And we have to choose to believe that truth. Even when we can't see it in life. 
The phrase there, recall to mind, it means this thought isn't naturally there. He says, God, I'm in a pit. People have forgotten me. I've seen my family murdered. I've seen my house destroyed. I've seen the temple destroyed. I'm in a prison now up to my armpits in mud. No one cares about me. Everyone's forgotten me. I am not thinking of your goodness right now. But I'm going to force myself to think about how good you are to me despite what I'm going through. It's what Martin Lloyd-Jones calls preaching to yourself. He said, there is a sense in which the primary task of the scriptures is to teach us how to talk to ourselves. Here's the thing. Your emotions don't have a brain. They can't think. Your emotions have no faith. You have to think for them. You have to have faith for them. Never, here's what I'm saying, never feel your way into your beliefs. Your feelings are usually wrong. Jeremiah says that. He goes, I, I feel like you're hurting me. I feel like you've forgotten me. I feel like you're being mean to me. But I know it's not true. Don't let your feelings dictate your faith. Allow your faith to change your feelings. We walk by faith, not by feelings. Feelings are never a good indicator about what is true. You can feel like God's forgotten you. But we know that's not true because the Bible says it's not. The Bible says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never forget you. We need to drown the voices of despair with the louder voice of the gospel. Remember the goodness of God. Second thing we need to do, number two, learn what God is trying to teach you. Now, I don't want you to think that you're going through something, you're hurting, you're in pain, because God's trying to teach you some spiritual lesson. Now, in every pain, there is something God wants to teach us. But you're not in pain just to get a point across. So sometimes we can think that. And, you know, the people who think, oh, you know, I know people, believers like this. You're, you're going through something bad. Something's, you know, bad in your life. And like, oh, well, that's God judging them. God, that's God punishing them to teach them to get right with to him or to learn some spiritual lesson. But then they go through stuff, stuff, stuff. And it's like, oh, the devil's fighting me. Amazing how that works. Satan, you know, Satan's attacking you because you're such a great Christian, but God's punishing everybody else because they're miserable. That's not what's going on. So when you're hurting, it is not just because God wants to teach you a lesson, but there is a lesson in everything we suffer through. So many times it's not true. Uh, there is nothing in Scripture that indicates Jeremiah is suffering because of his sin. Nothing. There's no verse anywhere in the Bible that tells us Jeremiah was an idolater and this is what... No. Jeremiah was just doing what God had told him to do. It wasn't a popular message, but he was preaching the message of God. Look at verse 26, chapter 3. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath, uh, he hath borne it. Upon him, He says it is good that we suffer 
Because God often does the best work in our lives when we suffer. And here's the thing. Sometimes you're never going to know why. We may never understand why we go through what we go through this side of heaven. But God might be trying to do some things in your life. He may be trying to take an idol from your life. Psalms 119, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. God can use suffering to get our attention. Maybe God's trying to humble you. 2 Samuel, David is fleeing for his life. He's running from Saul. He's on the run. And as they cross, uh, they pass a town, this guy comes out, starts cussing at David, starts calling David all kinds of names, starts throwing rocks at David. One of David's mighty men says, I'm going to go kill that guy. David won't let him. You know why? Because David says, no, God's using him to humble me. God's using him so that I don't get too puffed up. Maybe God's trying to humble you. Uh, one of his, uh, sometimes God uses pain to prepare us for ministry. Moses. David, Paul, they all suffered as they waited on God because God was doing something in their life to prepare them for the ministry. Through our pain, God gives us the ability to relate to others in a way we couldn't without the pain. Paul says that God broke him so he could comfort those who are broken. A.W. Tozer says, For God to use you greatly... He must wound you deeply. Sometimes the lesson God's trying to teach you isn't for you, it's for somebody else. He's preparing you to help someone else. Jeremiah tells us, there's coming a day where it'll all be worth it. All the pain, all the doubt, all the discouragement, it's going to be worth it. In your pain, say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do? In my life. Third thing, realize that God's plans for you are good. There's two extremes when we, we have suffering in our Christian life. There's this one group that says, well, you know, Jesus said, take up the cross and follow me. He says that if you're going to walk with me, you're going to suffer persecution. Paul said we're going to suffer. So Christian life is just suffering. No matter what, we're going to suffer. God said we're going to suffer. Paul said we're going to suffer. So we're going to suffer. If that's what the Christian life is about, I don't know why anyone would do it. Well, I'm going to suffer. There's the other thing. Well, you know, suffering's just for a while, but it's only because God's going to make us suffer for a little bit, and then we're going to have nothing but blessing. You know, Joseph, he had to suffer in prison before he finally got the palace. And so, yeah, you may suffer now, but one day it's coming where all of your suffering's gone, and God's going to do nothing but bless you and give you good things and do all kinds. And both of them have a little bit of truth to them, which makes them, which is what makes them dangerous. They're a little bit true, but they're, they're really wrong. You know, uh, all suffer, uh, both of them are potentially correct, but incomplete. Look at verse 24. <clears throat> the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. In the Hebrew here, the word portion there, it refers to, refers to an allotment of land. It was a inheritance. It was a piece of land that a family owned, and it was passed down from generation to generation to generation. It was your inheritance. Jeremiah says, I don't have any land. Babylon took all of it. They've stolen my land. They've 
killed my family. They've taken everything from me. But that's okay. Because God is my inheritance. God is my portion. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for blessings. But a relationship with God, feeling the presence of God, hearing God speak, that's the greatest inheritance. That's the greatest blessing we could ever receive. Look at verse 32. But though he caused grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Jeremiah wanted deliverance. He wanted vindication. He wanted his family back. He wanted restoration and he wanted the salvation of Israel. And he was convinced that God was, God was going to do it one day. He says, God may cause grief, but he only does it because he's got better plans for me. I may suffer now, but it's because God's plans are always better than anything I could think about. Fourth thing we need to learn. Number four, look for God's goodness in the everyday. Look at verse 22. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I love this, this picture of, of God's mercy. Jeremiah says, every day, it's brand new. You're never going to run out of the mercy of God. Just like the sun, when it rises, it chases away the darkness. It chases away the, the things we fear in the dark. Jeremiah says, every day, God's mercy is brand new, waiting for me. You cannot mess up so bad that you can't be used for God's glory. Here's the thing. If you're alive this morning, how many of y'all are alive today? All right, I got a couple hands not up. We'll check your pulse before we leave. If you're alive today, you have God's mercy on your life. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't need to know what you're going through. If you're alive right now, God's mercy is on your life and God has a plan for you. So tomorrow, when the sun comes up, get up and look for God's mercy in your life. Look for the goodness that he has given you that day. Look, if, you're, if your depression is primarily spiritual, again... There's medical, there's psychological, there's social, there's other issues that this decant that you need to go deeper into with professional. But if you're just suffering with, if your depression is primarily spiritual, this is the hope that drives it away. Your emotions may be telling you there's nothing ahead but darkness and despair. That's why Jeremiah says, I have to recall to mind, I have to remember. That Jesus, yes, he died, but he rose from the grave. And that gives me hope because he has a plan for you. See, ultimately, your story is going to end in victory if you're a believer. Preach that to yourself. The most influential person in your life is you. Because you talk to you more than anyone else. And you listen to you 
more than you listen to anybody else. So call to mind it is that, that it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. Call to mind that it was a gift of God. Because of that, we know that God has preordained us to good works and He wants us to walk with them. Call to mind that we were saved for a purpose. We were saved to be a blessing to a lost and dying world. God has a plan for your life and He's going to use it for blessings and not for pain. You may feel like Jeremiah. You may feel like you've been forsaken. But you've got to call to mind the steadfast love of God never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They're new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. Don't let your emotions dictate your reality. Don't feel your way into your beliefs. Believe your way into your feelings. So again, get up tomorrow and look for the goodness of God. Which brings us to one final question. How do you know that God has steadfast love for you? How do you know that God wants to bless your life with grace and mercy every day? You may have a life that's filled with mistakes. I know a lot of believers who, who think God punishes them for the sins they committed years ago. But here's what we've got to remember. Jesus was the one who suffered real exile. He was the one who was literally driven from Jerusalem with the whip. He was the one who was driven from God's people, driven from the presence of the Father as He carried the cross. He was the one whose body was torn like He was mauled by a bear or a lion. He was the one who suffered the arrows of God's wrath. And He did it so we could enjoy the overflowing blessing of God's steadfast love in our life. Jesus lived in the darkness of lamentations so I could live in the light and beauty of His mercy. When darkness seems to hide His face, rest on His unchanging grace. Get up tomorrow and look for God's goodness. Look for God's mercy. You'll see it all around you. When facing depression, don't give up. Look for the hope that God gives us in our pain. Remember God's goodness. Learn what He is trying to teach you. Realize that His plan for you is good and look for His goodness every day. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.